could have negative consequences. According to Russian Central Bank data, roughly $6.2 billion, or 14% of total Russian cross-border outflows, went to Switzerland in 2017. The British Royal Navy had been monitoring a Russian warship in the English Channel, according to Reuters. Portsmouth-based HMS Herworth was keeping an eye on the Russian frigate Admiral Makarov as it passed the UK on Wednesday. The Ministry of Defense has declined to comment on the exact number of Russian ships passing the English Channel. A Russian embassy official, though, in, in London, though, said that Russian vessels were observing international law and posed no threat to Britain. Forbes has named the most highly paid actors, George Clooney and Dwayne Johnson, top the list. Both men have pocketed an enormous amount of cash over the past 12 months. Clooney takes the top spot, having earned $239 million. The money also came from the sales of his Casamigos Tequila Company. Dwayne Johnson's yearly um, income amounted to $124 million. Scarlett Johansson was named the highest paid actress. She earned over $40.4 million. That places her at number seven in the overall rankings. And the swimming season in Moscow is officially closed today, according to Chief Meteorologist Roman Vilfant. He says even though the coming days will be warm, temperatures reaching with temperatures reaching plus 26 degrees Celsius, night temperatures will be too low. Vilfant said that it is dangerous to swim in waters that are cold. Traffic is currently rated 5 out of 10 on Moscow roads, according to our interactive map. Driving time to Domodedovo Airport from the city centre is 1 hour and 20 minutes and an hour to get back into central Moscow. You'll spend about an hour and 12 minutes driving to Shirimetovo Airport and about 45 minutes getting back to the city centre. And driving time to Vnukovo Airport is an hour. Plus 29 in Prague, plus 21 degrees Celsius in London. It's plus 15 degrees Celsius here in Moscow. It'll be the coldest night this week with temperatures falling to plus 8 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow day, uh, tomorrow day temperatures is expected to rise to plus 21 degrees Celsius. That's all from me at the moment. More news at the top of the hour. Good evening, listeners. I'm Alan Moore, and this is Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM, mainland Europe's number one English-language radio sports show. Folks, we have the very best news, views, review, previews, reviews, and tonight a massive world-exclusive interview for you all to enjoy. So it'll keep you warm tonight, that's for sure. Now, not only all that, we have a massive, massive giveaway that you're really going to want to get your hands on. Uh, our show will, well, it'll tickle all your taste buds tonight. Isn't that right, Nikki? That's right. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have a full rundown on results and fixtures in the Russian and English Premier Leagues, plus Andy McLean's tips for the weekend. Uh, we'll also look back on what tips we've given out, because they were pretty decent actually last week. As Andy said, we won basically a, a combo. If you put 1,000 rubles on what we predicted last week, you'd have won 7,000. So we're, we're on a bit of a roll at the moment. We'll discuss money matters with uh, Nikita Sokin, who's just joined us, and also, how clubs in England are losing money due to this new transfer window that has been imposed on them. We're going to chat European football, of course, uh, as we are just one week away almost from knowing who Lokomotiv, Siska, Krasnodar and Spartak will be getting into group stages. And of course, we could have two more teams with Ufa and Zenit in action tomorrow night. 
Right. Uh, in our third segment, we are going to have an interview with a person who, you know, has fought before a TV audience of tens of millions of people, has been promoted by the two biggest boxing promoters in history, Don King and Bob Arum, and, has, and really did make women's boxing a, a household sport, especially in the USA. Yeah, with all those highs and lows, however, um, including winning world titles, and, you know, kind of, a, let's say, controversially in the US, she appeared uh, in Playboy. But as well as all that, she's has some pretty, you know, tough lows. And uh, at that time, when she was on the, the, the up in America, uh, women's boxing wasn't really respected there that very, very much. However, in Europe, in Germany especially, for sure, it was absolutely booming in the 1990s. Um, and, you know, in America, there was a bit of a, I guess a prehistoric ideal of what women should be doing in sport. Um, okay, so anyway, but time again, this lady, Mia St. John, she fought and won and lost and has left a leg that nobody can take away from her and that she's actually gone on to use this legacy to do an awful lot of good in, in the world in general. Two weeks ago, however, she had quite a, let's say, a stunning revelation um, and especially, you know, in the eyes of those who respect and admire her work, both inside and outside the ring, you know, she it's made her stronger, but some people weren't so appreciative, especially in the sport of boxing. We're going to stay, we're going to have a chat with her a bit later on, so stay tuned. After 9.30, we're going to have Mia St. John uh, on first. So, uh, right, we're going to get down to it right away, and right away in the studio here with us, we have uh, Mr. Andy McLean and Mr. Nikita Osakin, and, you know, how are you guys doing? Uh, doing well, Alan. Alan, thanks for having me again here. Okay. Great, Alan, thanks for being back. Uh, you, you mentioned Playboy and Germany there. I, I, I hear you've got a wee bit of an underground following. Well, uh, okay, it was a long time ago, actually. Probably the same time as she did, actually. Uh, yeah, so uh, I appeared uh, for a men's fitness magazine uh, as part of a boxing promotion uh, without clothes on. And how did that <laughs> get perceived? Um, I can see Nikki here is dressing me with her eyes. You know? Yeah, she just got my attention. I'm like, what? As I said, you're dressing me with your eyes right now. <laughs> Not undressing. If we get enough people calling in and texting in tonight, Alan might do another. <laughs> I don't think so. No, no, I was young and innocent and I needed the money. Um, innocent not. Yeah, well, listen, by the way, just so, uh, yeah, so that was a long, long time ago. And I did get a very different audience coming to my fights, for sure. <laughs> Not all female followers, that's for sure. Right, uh, okay, kicking straight on to European football. I'm just seeing right now, in a couple, well, in an hour's time, a videoton of uh, Hungary are kicking off against AK Athens. Shouldn't that be Glasgow Celtic? Don't mention it, please. Please. <laughs> please. It was a painful week enough already. I understand. Well, listen, tonight, of course, there are three Champions League games down for the decision. Ajax of Amsterdam are playing Dinamo Kiev. Videoton, who are now called Molvidi, sponsored by the uh, National Oil Company. They're playing AK Athens in Budapest. And uh, Young Boys of Bern are hosting Dinamo Zagreb in Switzerland. Last night, of course, there were also the final round of Champions League qualifier games. Bate Borisov, <clears throat> they went down 3-2 at home to PSV Eindhoven. Uh, Benfica drew 1-1 at home against Pauk Salonika. And Red Star Belgrade were held to a draw by the fizzy drink company from FC Spalsburg. Uh, OK, so talking uh, the Champions and Europa League, Andy, uh, and Nik Nikita as well. So it's, it's quite a... Um, an interesting week ahead for the Russian clubs. Uh, Nikita, who do you reckon? Because Lokomotiv, as we, you were telling me before we came on air, they're going to be a pot one of the Champions League. Who would be financially good for them to get? Um, that's an interesting question, Alan, because uh, 
As the locomotive president, uh, Ilya Gerkos, recently mentioned that the club is interested in actually playing one of the home games outside of Sharkizovo, uh, and actually, and they're proposing Luznik as one of the possible venues. Is that allowed, though? Because I thought that you'd have to play all your games outside your home stadium. Well, uh, they're definitely allowed to, uh, to select a reserve stadium, so I'm, I'm not really oh. sure what are the conditions, for if they can just opt out for a reserve stadium, if uh, Sharkizovo is available at the, at the moment. Because normally, you, I know from when the Irish schools were playing, they either had to play all their games at, say, for example, Lands End Road, or well, now the Aviva, or play them at another stadium or their home stadium. So they will be you know, possibly able to play one at Luzhniki? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility, but again, it depends on the, the possible demand of the game. And looking at, since Lokomotiv is the current Russian champion, they've been seated in pot one. But there are some interesting possibilities for them in, in the subsequent pots. Uh, mainly, there is a possibility of uh, being drawn with Manchester United or Borussia Dortmund from uh, part two. Part three seems to be interesting in terms of since Monaco is there, and of course you have Alexander Golovin, who's uh, pretty much the star-studded Russian at the moment. And Roma and Liverpool are also good possibilities for drawing a big crowd. And in part four, you even have Inter Milan. Oh, that'd be quite good. Yeah, who haven't been in Europe for quite a long time, at least in the Champions League. So that that would be interesting to see as well. So a lot of possibilities for local. Um, I'm not sure there's a trade-off between, I mean, uh, the competitive edge of actually maybe there's a possibility of a good draw to go through the further stages of the Champions League or, again, in increasing the potential demand for the both televised and attendance-wise for the team. Because, I mean, it wouldn't be too bad of a thing if you did, like, uh, say, Sparta did last year and, you know, finished third in the group and drop into the Europa League knockout stage because at least they have a better chance of that than going through first or second, would you think? Uh, I, I still don't reckon that they will have that much of a chance in the Europa League because uh, some of the good teams are already placed in the Europa League, like Arsenal, Chelsea, they're going to be playing there as well. Lazio was also in the Europa League. Sevilla as well. Yeah, and a lot of teams from the Champions League are also going to go down to the Europa League playoffs. So, so uh, there's not really much difference. So if there's a there's a choice for them, I would rather go for the Champions League playoff. To, to go into, like, at least go into one playoff round or knockout round. Yeah, because that, that gives you, uh, first of all, from... Uh, UEFA coefficient standpoint, that will be more lucrative as well, and financially as well. There's a you get a big, ch bigger chunk of the revenue distribution pool. And that's what we just talked about before we came on air, Andy, because um, you know Spartak, because of how badly they did last year. Okay, they did well enough by drawing with Liverpool and so on, but they dropped into Europa League and lost, of course, against Atletico Bilbao. Uh, that has hurt their coefficients, so that now they are in the fourth pot in the Europa League. I believe so, yeah. Um, obviously, your coefficient is accumulated over a five-year period, I believe. So if you're not taking part in the competition or you fail to qualify, your coefficient gets heavily dented. And uh, my own club, Celtic, has been suffering with that, um, largely because it's also calculated within your whole country, which is going to change, I think, next season. But yeah, oh. so if, if, if other Russian clubs or other Scottish clubs or English clubs aren't per per performing on the, uh, on the European stage, it, it affects everybody. Okay, no, I mean that 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 that's going to hit hit the whole lot of them because of course uh, tomorrow Zenit they are uh, they are playing against Mold in St Petersburg. That kickoff is at seven o'clock our time uh, locally. Ufa, of course, are over in Glasgow to play Rangers. Uh, Andy, that's that's a that's a tough ask in one way for Ufa because I mean Rangers at least have a bit of uh, pedigree in Europe behind them. That kickoff is nine forty-five tomorrow. Uh, right now, looking at the odds, you know Ufa are quite a big five to one to to get a win. 30 to five a draw, but do they have a chance to try and at least get through to, to get Rangers back to Bashkortostan and give them a bashing? 
I think they'll do very well to get a goal, is my personal feeling. If, if they do, it gives them a little bit of an outside chance. I think everyone said the Rangers played extremely well away at Maribor. Um, but Maribor had plenty of chances and Rangers goalkeeper Alan McGregor had an absolute blinder, even saving a penalty as well. So I think Steven Gerrard effect at Rangers and their buoyant Morelos is starting to fire in a few goals. I think Ufer will do very well if they could maybe sneak a 2-1, 3-1, some, just something to grab onto for the second leg, especially as they've had a lot of travels themselves. Yeah, I mean, they've been moving around. Luxembourg, Moscow. With Celtic, they're in Lithuania's place, Suduva, tomorrow night. Um, I mean, they, they should at least win at home and they should at least draw away, am I correct? I think we. I'd, I'd be disappointed if we didn't um, pick up a goal or two away tomorrow night. Um, obviously, this, this this is actually quite a, an interesting fixture for us because it was the first game that we won on the way to Seville in the uh, you, well, the UEFA Cup back then, um, and we won that game ten one on aggregate. So there's already a bit of pressure kind of building to try and do it again, to do it again, and then to to kick on in the Europa League and have a similar kind of season. I mean, uh, Nikita, like, look, look at these games, you know, uh, around Europe. I mean, we've seen Luxembourg clubs doing well with a lot, mostly Luxembourg players as well uh, in their side. We've seen teams from Georgia and so on. They're, they're starting to make progress, including, well, Cypriot teams have been doing well for quite a while. Is there kind of a balancing out, especially in the Europa League, uh, with across Europe for money? Because, again, we've seen Hungarian teams doing well. So they haven't been doing well for a while. Uh, uh, the short answer would be no, I guess, because <laughs> I, I think uh, we're mostly seeing that the gap between the rich clubs and, and the smaller clubs, clubs is actually getting higher. But in between those two clusters, between the rich clubs, uh, the rich club cluster is getting more even out. And the same thing we're, we're looking at at the, at the medium-sized or small-sized clubs as well. So, But the gap in between those two groups, I think, is just growing. So. In terms of competitive balance at the earlier stages of the qualifications for the European tournaments, we're going to see uh, more tight games. But when those clubs actually enter the, the final stage of the competition, they're not going to pose much of a threat to the big guns. Okay, so it's going to be like as you were for every other year when it comes down to the final, final eight or final four. Yeah, so uh, the most crucial matches for, for these clubs are going to be played in August, September, I mean, during these qualifying rounds. And it just, it's just a matter of getting to the, to the main stage of the tournament for them at, the, at this point, at least. Well, that's, uh, we'll have it next week, the interview with uh, Roderick Duchatelet from the, the owner of uh, Uypest, uh, Budapest, who we interviewed last week in Budapest. And one thing he said with, Nikki, you and I were speaking with this the, the night before last, about how the uh, TV money works, for example, uh, in Hungary. And I think Lokomotiv, unless we're mistaken, they, they made just a bit short of two million uh, euros in TV money last year, is that correct? Yeah, sounds about right because uh, uh, the annual revenue generated by the whole league is something close to 25 million euros. Okay, so it's, it's, it's basically very, very little. Um, it's, 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 it's nothing also when compared to the rest of Europe. In Hungary last year, they finished third and won the cup and got 2.2 million euros. Right. I mean, that's a huge amount for a small club and they would have uh, the sixth biggest budget in their league. So, I mean, when you put that all together, uh, you know, it's, it, it's you know, there's quite a big difference, like, you know, if, if Lokomotiv were to get sort of that sort of, like, you know, percentage-wise, uh, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Nikita, quick before we go to the break, uh, is there a chance that, you know, TV revenue is going to increase in Russia in the next, uh, say, two to three years? Not, not hugely, but, like, say, up to a, a semi-decent, even Central European level? 
uh, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna only gonna happen artificially because at the moment, with no actual competition in between broadcaster to sign uh, the RPL broadcasting rights, we're not gonna see that much of a competition, and therefore we're not gonna see an increase in an increase in the price of the, of the rights. So if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be some sort of quasi-state involvement as well. Okay, which it already is with, with uh, Match TV. But, okay, we will move on. We're going to go to a break right now. We have our uh, quiz question coming up right after. Oh, actually, it is coming up right now. Um, it's a very, very simple question. The song that we're going to play out with, okay, was used. It, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, it's from a movie. Just name the movie, okay? There are two pairs of VIP, all bells and whistles included, to the game 7 o'clock kickoff on uh, Sunday evening, Lokomotiv Ananji Makashala. Uh, so the, the question is simply this. What is the name of the movie where this song, uh, well, where this song was featured, okay? Uh, we're going to wait to the break. I'm not going to name this. I'm not going to uh, name the movie, of course. But you, you can do it. You just Google there for you all on Spotify and so on. So this is the Counting Crows and Accidentally in Love. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
UCM radio show every Friday on Capital FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1am on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your f- Moscow's hit music station. Capital FM. Capital FM. Capital Sports. With Alan Moore. Welcome back. Okay, I jumped the gun just slightly a little bit there. So welcome back, folks. Of course, now is the time for the Russian Football League. And of course, the English Premier League, we're going to have a little bit of a look at as well. Uh, so again, that question, what was that last song, Accidentally in Love by the Canter Crows? What was it featured in? Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three to win one of those pairs of tickets to the Lokomotiv Angie game on Sunday evening. Right, straight into the Russian Premier League. Uh, Andy, tell us, how did our tips do the last round of games yeah we were on fire so you had uh, locomotive away uh, in Samara finished 1-0 I went for a Friday night game which was always risky uh, Orenburg uh, in Makachkala which finished 3-1 it was 9-1 Orenburg at half time they were 1-0 down came back with a few cracking goals and then we had Everton in the EPL who snuck a 2-1 win in the end yeah so we, we did pretty well especially uh, we're, we're, we're nailing at the moment um, the week before of course we sort of had a look and it was kind of we were laughing ourselves on Twitter because uh, I said that it would be a dr- well you correct you said that I, I said it would be a loss for Lokomotiv and Orenburg it, they did lose of course 1-0 but um, I did correct myself on the night and say that it, it would be a draw but they wouldn't win I felt so anyway Okay, my loss. I, I could have had a good one on that one. Okay, so of course, uh, Siska, they won 3 0 at home to Arsenal Tula on Saturday. Uh, Spartak won 1 0 away in Krasnodar. Good win for the uh, Spartak guys. They're starting to, to move a little bit after those disappointments in Europe. Rubin won 1 0, or drew 1 1 with Ahmad in Grozny. Uh, of course, Lokomotiv, they won 1 0 away in Samara. Zenit, they hammered Ural 4 1, although there were a few. Questionable moments in that game as well. Rostov with their flying carpet won 4-0 against the NSA. And Dino, Nikita's team, finally got a bit of uh, good news in uh, his life. They won 3-0 at home to Ufa. Right, this week coming up, we have quite a decent round of games. We have another Moscow Derby, uh, which I think Nikita's going to be very interested in. So Arsenal on uh, Friday night, they're playing Rostov at home. That kickoff is 7.30. Ural are uh, at home to Ahmad Grozny. Rubin have Siska Moscow as visitors. That's on Saturday at 4.30. Of course, on Saturday, 7 o'clock, the big, big game of the weekend, Spartak and Dinamo. That's kicking off, as I said, it's kicking off at 7 o'clock. This should be an interesting enough game. On Sunday, Orenburg, they are hosting Krasnodar. That's kicking off at 2 o'clock. Ufa, Zenit, that's 4.30. And the big game on Sunday is Lokomotiv Angie. That's where we will be with the Lokomotiv uh, with our Capital Sports show. Isn't that right, Nikki? Yes, we're going to be there. Exactly. So myself, Nikki, Katya Bishkova, and quite a few other guests as well. And hopefully you'll be joining us as well. So again, what song, or what movie, sorry, did that song, uh, Accidentally Love, feature in? Plus 795, Okay. And finally, on Monday, Yenisei, they are hosting Krylia Soviet of Samara. So Nikita, this weekend, uh, do Dina will have a chance of at least getting a point? Um... 
I'm pretty sure that most of Dynamo fans will be content with getting a point against Spartak, especially since we're playing at the Spartak Stadium. So uh, it's going to be one of those difficult games. And plus, I, I don't think this is the best time to be playing against Spartak because they have a lot of proof to their fans because they haven't got, had the, the best start to the season, especially with the European campaign. So uh, I think they're going to be definitely motivated and there's an added mental aspect to this as well. Well, I mean, you have scored more goals than Spartak. you scored five. Uh, you've conceded two, of course. Spartak have yet to concede a goal in the league this year. They've uh, won three and draw one games, one game. And uh, Dinamo, you are also unbeaten. One win and three draws. So it's, it's a steady start for you guys. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing is that Dinamo could have, could have done even better with that because they have had a lot of chances in the previous games as well so um, the firepower is at Dinamo especially since both strikers actually scored in the last game against Tufa and Jozinho is finally finding his stride going away with two assists so uh, definitely Dinamo is one of a team to, to contend but still uh, I'm going to be really moderate in my predictions Okay, so a draw is going well Andy, what are we looking this weekend? Because Lokomotiv, I mean, they, they should be on to win that game shouldn't they against Sanji? I think so, but the odds on that will be very, very short. And I think in the other games where you would get good value for your money, it's very, very tight. Um, so my tip this week is I would go for a both teams to score in the Rubin CSKA game. Why would you think that? I mean, because I mean, is it because Rubin are doing fairly decent this season and Siska are kind of a bit wobbly? I think uh, Abel Hernandez has come in and looked. They they needed a bit of an experienced head up front, and he's been a revelation since coming. He's lively, he's movement, he's intelligent. Um, he just looks a real threat and has taken the pressure off Chaloff a little bit. And they hit their stride last week, albeit against ten for thirty odd minutes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and Rubin, a kind of stuttering, sputtering. They look all right. They're quite solid, but I think CSK will give them troubles at the back, and that will also allow the likes of your yeah, Asman and Polos to do a bit of damage up front as well against a very inexperienced rear guard now for, for CSK. Yeah, I mean, CSK, they, they have lost all those, like, you know, guys who were there for like, a generation. Yeah. Ago. So it's going to take them a bit of balance. Okay. Um, overall, I mean, in the, in the Premier League, I mean, any their top, they, you know, they've scored eight, conceded one. One other four games, of course. Uh, Yenisei already in a bit of trouble. Oral and Angie down there at the bottom as well. Ahmad, well, they're kind of stable enough. Um, and overall, this, this this season, I mean, there's lots of crowds coming in, lots of lots of interest. But as we were saying just before we, uh, you guys were discussing um, during the, the song there, that there doesn't seem to be a lot of sense in terms of the marketing of the game right now in Russia. Yeah, it's really disappointed me. At the moment, Match TV, etc., are only showing sort of one game uh, if you've got your, their, their bog-standard package. Uh, they're only showing one game per day in the Russian League just after so much interest has been accumulated because of the World Cup. And uh, it's making it difficult for viewers to really tune in and, and grasp the, the moment, although the attendances are up at the games. Well, at the moment, but still, the, the, there's no indication that this is a long-term and long-standing effect. And actually, a, a lot of research shows that, that there is always this curiosity effect. There's a honeymoon effect of new stadiums because people are actually interested in seeing what sort of uh, new facilities their clubs ha ha have as assets. But this is not a long-standing sort of effect. If the club does nothing to attract the fans, to, to show them that the, this is... One of the possibility of spending their leisure times the weekends, then the crowds are just going to fade out since the curiosity effects just goes away. So it still remains to see. I mean, we are seeing uh, some sort of marketing activity actually. I mean, Alan, you mentioned the uh, Rostov's uh, carpet sort of. Yes, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Been picked up on social media. Carpet, carpet. Yeah, and I know it's been made into a Ford jersey. 
right? And they've already pre-sold about 500 of them. I mean, I mean, there's all, like, I mean, uh, for example, I was uh, looking um, at some of the, the Twitter accounts of the Irish football clubs today, and uh, Hummel, who produced the jerseys for well, many teams, well, most famous the Danish team, national team, but also Bohemians of Dublin, and they had to tweet out to their fans say, "Sorry, we can't give the jerseys out today because the delivery has been delayed." So, I mean, that kind of is a real kick when fans want, you know, they put their money to get them jerseys or wherever it be, and it doesn't happen. So at least, you know, Rostov are a step ahead. Also, this past weekend, there was Locoland at a locomotive where they had like a basically fun fair and locomotive rugby club were there, the ice hockey team were there. Like it was, it was a fun basically for all the family and sort of brought people closer to it. So, um, you know, does it really matter that TV is not showing as much football as... You know, or can we say that we always say that TV is killing football off, but maybe in this way it's actually helping football. You might get, as as Nikita said, you might get more people through the gates for the next month or two. But in terms of you know sustaining an interest to the wider people or getting new people in, they need to be watching those games. And I I think with five potentially five Russian clubs going into Europe this year, I think it's a great opportunity to sustain it. Okay, that's true. Uh, okay, so we'll and just by the way, uh, uh, as we we're discussing on, uh, and I've written with this before because the issue that we that we always have in Russia is just is it worthwhile having fans in stadiums? I mean, like you know, it it costs more money. We did an analysis many years ago on uh, clubs from the Premier, the FNL, well then the first division all the way into the second division leagues, and uh, it actually was better if they didn't have fans in the stadium, especially for the Premier teams. In Hungary, speaking with the people there, it was the exact same thing. They would actually make more money having an empty stadium. How so, does that work? Um, basically, because when you when you count up, you're paying for police, you're paying for insurance, you're paying to clean the place, you're paying for food that will go unsold, and so on and so forth, and and for even for heat and light. You know, so, so what you're saying is you need a, a stadium filled with Japanese fans that are going to clean up after themselves. Or Senegalese fans, or basically people who are just going to spend all their money at the stadium. But as, as it showed, as I saw in, it was quite funny in, in Budapest where the people were coming in with their uh, sunflower seeds, you know, and sitting there and it's hot. And they're just sitting there. Now, I've never, the, the, the home fans were absolutely brilliant like they were in, you know in, in great form and roaring shouting the whole and really celebrating so it's kind of one of those things where uh, it's a balance do you want the atmosphere there or do you want to make money and how, how does it come about I mean Nikita do you have a solution for this but I mean what, what you're talking about again is a short-term solution it's not long-term because in the long term you would still benefit more from in- increasing your fan base and getting more people in I, uh, I guess yes uh, if you have, if you don't have enough enough capacity utilization, you're you're not going to be able to cover your operating costs. But it all goes down to just getting those financial flows right and seeing in like how how much more do you need to invest? Maybe you need to first and foremost you need to invest before you sort of take off the cream. Okay, fair enough. We'll go to uh, the English Premier League right now. So a big, big round of matches last weekend. Everton getting the best of Southampton uh, 2-1. Leicester City mm, kind of like putting a dent in uh, Wolves' chance of survival. They won 2-0. Spurs have started off quite well. They've won the London Derby 3-1 against Fulham. West Ham losing again against Bournemouth 2-1 at home. Chelsea beating Arsenal in that London Derby 3-2. Man City just absolutely putting Huddersfield to the sword 6-1. And the naysayers were out in force 
as Brighton and Hove Albion they won 3-2 against Man City now this weekend it's going to be well it's going to be quite interesting because most of the games uh, you know, again yet again are on Saturday so some nice ones there Arsenal and West Ham that's kicking off 5 o'clock on Saturday Liverpool and Brighton that's 7.30 one of those first matches actually was the first second matches ever had in England back I think it was 1983 was or 1980 one or two I have to remember that uh, was Liverpool in Anfield against uh, Brighton in the FA Cup uh, on Sunday Newcastle are playing Chelsea that's going to be another interesting one and of course on the match of the weekend is Monday Man United against Tottenham at 10 o'clock uh, Moscow time Andy what's what's interesting there from last week and this week for you um, last week I guessed Harry Kane breaking that jinx an August goal yeah, he, he, he hadn't scored a goal in no, August no, before no, 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 ever and he smashed one off the bar just before he actually scored his goal. Um, that, that game interested me a lot because I thought, I thought Fulham looked dangerous, were terrible at the back. Um, Spurs spurned numerous chances yeah, in that game. Yeah. Um, it could have been double And a hundred million, uh, million Fulham spent during the summer. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, it was wasted. Um, okay, this weekend, this weekend, Andy, what's, what's your uh, tips for the top? Again, I thought the Premier League was quite tight in the games where you think, because it's so early on in the season, it's, you're still sort of finding out who, who's hitting an early bit, uh, early bit of form. I'm going to go for an Arsenal, both teams to score win against West Ham. So both teams to score and an Arsenal win. All right, nice one. That. Okay, so note that down. Okay, so again, that quiz question to win uh, one of a pair of tickets to the Locomotive Angie game. VIP tickets, of course, with all food, drink, whistles and bells involved. You get the chance to meet myself and Nikki and uh, Katia as well. We're all going to be there having a lot of fun at the Capital Sports Stadium show at Chiquizo or the Erge Day Arena this Sunday at 7 o'clock. Uh, the simple question is... From what movie is Accidentally in Love by the Counting Crows? Okay, and just to give you a little bit of a hint, it was an Oscar-nominated song in 2004. So there you go. I, I only found it out today. Right, we're going out to the uh, break right now with uh, a, a more recent song from 2016. This is the Kaiser Chiefs and Hole in My Soul. And also the number is plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Until we start from the top again Take it all from the top
gave up Until we start from the top again Take it all from the top The top, the top, the top There's a Soviet Union in a larder. You know, there's like a... Well, you can smell petrol. That's the main thing. That's the main thing that you notice, to be honest. And actually, the, the larder doesn't start just by turning the key. You also have to sort of go, like, oh, like, there's, like, there's like an element of that. Like, you know. Oh, British people. We gave you a language. Oh, British people. God's sake, I wish you'd use it. <laughs> Every Thursday at 9pm, Capital Stand Up with Steve Foreman on Capital FM Moscow. Are you serious? <laughs> you got a date like that. We speak English. We play a hit. Capital Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Okay, welcome back, folks. Uh, just we're, we're going to bring up a little bit of discussion what we're having just before we come back on air right now. We are, fingers crossed, we're going to get Mia St. John back on the line. We had her a little while ago, but uh, she has an interview and she's coming back to us. So, uh, before we do, guys, uh, we were talking about tips for the weekend and also second division teams. Nikki, do you have one that you think might be interesting? Yeah, me and Annie were discussing about Krasnodar's motivation after the way uh, their game against Spartak ended, that the team is going to be uh, totally motivated and driven to to get a good result in Orenburg, and especially since Orenburg has, has enjoyed a three-win uh, series, so I think that's a bit too much for a club like Orenburg, so uh, I think they're probably going to be winded a bit, and so I think Krasnodar would be one of those, uh, not a safe, but one of those. That you won. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, an educated guess. Okay, that's interesting. We're also saying about the, the uh, lower division teams and doing well in the cup and so on, because Avangar, of course, of course, made the final last year. Lost to Tosno. Tosno, of course, are now... He also went the same way. Yeah, out of business. And I mean, the, this, the sad thing was one of the men who was putting the money into uh, or, excuse me, the Tosno then was announced as like one of the you know, richest men and so on, yet the players were going unpaid. Um, you know... Is that kind of that the cup is a genuine cup competition or what, what's going on there? Well, I think uh, the incentives are not there. So some of the clubs are now feeling that, that, first of all, from an economic standpoint, that it's worth risking your other tournaments. Basically, most of the Russian top clubs that are playing in Europe, they, they don't see the motivation to play at the cup because that would that jeopardize their possibility of doing well in Europe and doing well in the, in the Russian Premier League. So that's one of the things uh, that could be considered. And as Andy said, that there's no point for the smaller cl- Russian clubs to be actually being motivated to win the cup because they're never going to get into Europe because they would never get past licensing. Yeah, this is a great way for, for the smaller clubs and smaller Premier League clubs even to, to blood a few of their young players that they think might break into the team over the next year or so. And yeah, I mean, last season proved that if you are one of those clubs, it's kind of like a poison challenge. You win the thing and then you can't, logistically or financially, you can't get into Europe. And even if you do, Ufa have had to start their season with a a really rough schedule with going in and out of Europe, then back to the Russian Premier League, having to play three odd qualifiers. And there's no guarantee that you even get into Europe at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always uh, difficult for these guys to call and to, to deal with it. But then again, I mean, you know, for, for me to get into Europe is always this great honour and, and it now makes money. So as I speak with the Hungarian guys, was that to, there's more money now involved just to get into Europe. So if you're a smaller club, it, it does get a bit of cash in the, in the books. OK, we are now very, very honoured and delighted to go to our world exclusive interview uh, all the way to California. So I hope the weather and everything is a bit better there than it is here with us. We are delighted to have on the line former world champion and current a legend in her own right and someone who's fighting for the health, the mental health especially of uh, youngsters and for the betterment of her, her, well, her community in every sense. Uh, Mrs. Mia St. John. Mia, how are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Listen, Mia, thank you so much for, for taking our call and taking the time today. Um, let me just, first question I want to ask you. Look, you have a degree in psychology. You were a model. You were a black belt and very successful in Taekwondo. And then all of a sudden, at 29 years old, you decided to become a professional boxer. Why did you do that? Well, you know, that was the of um, and women's boxing on the rise. At the time, I was focusing on the Olympics uh, for Taekwondo, the Sydney Olympics. And everybody in my field, in my arena, all were turning pro in boxing. Uh, Lucia Riker. Um, so many of them, and I decided, well, there's more money in boxing kickboxing. I couldn't go pro in kickboxing. Uh, I, there wasn't really any money. And I just felt like I was for the Olympics, and Doc made an offer to go pro in boxing, and he was fine, and so that's the route that I went Okay, so it was about financial and also like just to continue in sport and to progress it, uh, progress yourself and, and to, to, to keep going with the career in sport. Uh, listen, your, your debut was, of course, in 1997 and you went on uh, fighting until just two years ago. How important was and is boxing to uh, you, Mia St. John? Well, it's, 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 it
Well, I think it was very important in my early life. I came from a lot of a dysfunctional family. Um, I'm first born in America. And so we suffered a lot um, here in the U.S., but that's all stayed me blocked as well. So I, and boxing was an outlet for me. Um, I, it was very cathartic. I was able to get out of all, get out all the aggressions and, um, and it did a lot for me financially, obviously. Um, and, but I was able to use that money for the causes that were so dear to me. I mean, that's what we were just discussing that just uh, when we when we opened the show was that uh, you know, in, you you be you were the first um, female boxer to become a household name in America, uh, and yet at the same time, let's say the boxing establishment were not always open to the idea of female boxing. No, and there it's not. You know, I had I could fill arenas in Mexico and had better luck in Germany, you know, other countries. But the U.S. has always been difficult. So when I was no longer a pop or really famous, I went to other countries. So, I mean, with that, okay, in one way, you know, you could question, like, say, the promotions, but also, it's also the kind of, um, let's say, chauvinism, and we'll discuss that a little, a little bit in a, in a, in a moment. Um, now, of course, one of the reasons why we, we've discussed the discussion with you um, is that you recently admitted to doping during your career, and you detailed how you did it, how you avoided testing positive, and also why you did it. Mia, what, why, why did you um, release all this now? What, why now in 2018 after you've retired? Well, it, it, it wasn't just now. What happened was it was such a random tweet that I tweeted out when I saw I was on Twitter and I saw a tweet from the LA Times saying Triple G called Canelo dirty. Now, of course, I, I, I just so explained I, that the Triple G is uh, Gennady Golovkin, of course, who's the who's fighting uh, Canelo Alvarez for the uh, world title. Just so our listeners are are, are are clued in. Yes, and so he Canelo had tested positive in his last test. So I, being a Canelo fan, just <laughs> tweeted out randomly, "Oh, everything does," and that caused a huge firestorm. But I had been anti drugs for a long time uh, because I quit midway through my career because of all the health problems causing. And I even went to the WB2012 to complain about uh, the drug and um, that there would be sanctioning body to this day that uh, really does anything to prevent doping toxins. Yeah. Uh, but I've been talking about it for a long time. It's just one Dumb tweet that got so much attention. And why is that? Me? Is is it because um, that you know there's more of a focus on doping, or is it? Do you think that you know there is a little? Let's say and be honest, there is a kind of a hint of um, uh, directed discrimination against uh, Alvarez, for example. Against what was? 
Uh, sorry, that there is a kind of a, you know, a, a discrimination against Alvarez kind of pointing fingers at him and he's an easy target for people to say, oh, he's doping, doping, doping because of his nationality. Uh, who, who is that? Uh, with Alvarez, so that it was easy for people to pick on him because of his nationality and doping. Uh, so do you think that there was some discrimination against Alvarez? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, you mean Canelo? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, um, Canelo. Discrimination against him? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think more discrimination against females. And I, I'm the first female that has ever come out to admit it. And I suffered more than any male I know, the college Klitschko came out and admitted it a while ago and did not suffer nearly as much as I did, if any at all. The backlash for me, a woman, was far than any male I know. I mean, Mia, how, just how common is doping in boxing? Well, I think that if, if someone doesn't think it's common... They're either in denial or they're just stupid because it is common and it has been for quite a few years and the, the fact that people are so mad at me for coming it is really confusing. I'm not sure if they're mad at because I'm exposing it or if they're mad at me because they feel like I'm giving Fox a bad name. Well, I mean, I... I, I either way, it's a serious issue and it's been something we need to deal with. Massively so, because as, as I mentioned well before, and our listeners know, back in 1997, uh, I was kind of given an order as part of a team to begin doping to in order to you know to get us ready for the new season when i refused my contract was cut and i was left outside the tent shall we say so you know and that was at a, a kind of a well that was at a, a top amateur level so i mean it's it is very very widespread but isn't you, your story okay you said it was because you're a woman but your story was not well received by some involved in the game uh, especially we had one gentleman um, self-titled big daddy uh, steve bunce had a, an absolute terrible article about you last last weekend in in uh, the english media what why do you think that they are targeting you as well okay being a woman one way that you spoke out about it but um, why are they trying to discredit you and, you know, bringing up, uh, like, issues you would have had or so on? Like, uh, why, why are they doing this against you right now? I, I honestly, it's because I'm a female. And, but also, I just want people to... I, I love all my fans, and I love the hate. I love those terrible writers that write uh, lies horrible about um, I have to be somewhat grateful to them because I've had to my entire career and for a career a boxing career to span over 25 years I'm very fortunate and I have to give credit to not fans but the haters they have kept the headlines um, which enabled me to promote causes that 
that are very dear to me, like the mental health that, that took the life of my child. That's what I want to bring up, Mia, now. So because they giving me a platform. And that's, that's what I want to move on to because, yes, there is this kind of the, the your abuse off and online that you've been taking and people doubting you and so on. And I've, I've seen you in the ring and I've known fighters who fought you. And, you know, they say, like, she's one tough cook and she never quits. And as your career went on, you got better. I know it says, like, yeah, say, like a fine wine. You were getting better with age, with your skill level and so on. And you were getting tougher and, you, you know, you, you never quit. You know, that's like a big... Um, Plus, for any fighter, you know, a heart is most important. But I want to say one thing that mm-hmm. hits to the heart, because there's a couple of us in the, in the studio here uh, who are parents. Now, you lost your son, Mia, uh, Julian uh, St. John, in 2014. Now, before and after, you were an advocate for mental health awareness, and especially for increasing the support of young people. Uh, True, well, for one example, increasing the number of therapists in schools. How important is this fight for you? The mental health? Yeah. It's the only important fight I've ever had because I truly believe that boxing was just a vehicle to take me to real purpose. And this is real purpose. It's for fighting for something that is worth fighting for. Um, Losing my son is the worst thing that can happen to a person, for a mother to lose her her firstborn, her own son. There's nothing. And I eat in grief for the rest of my life. And I'm sorry. So bad. Um, but I will fight for these kids that are still here, that are left in the facilities, that are unmonitored. There's no oversight by our government, but they continue to take the taxpayers' money and and abuse the system. And and I'm going to expose them here in the United States. I'm sure I'll be my damnedest maker. It never happens again. Mia. Thank you so much for, for taking I have one more question for you, but I'm not going to ask it because it's not important. Boxing is great, but our children are our health and our wealth. Mia St. John, thank you so much for your time. And um, you know, we, we will support you in your fights because it's the, really it's the only fight worth winning. Thank you so much, Mia. So much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, I don't know how we can continue on that. I mean, someone... Oh, okay. Uh, so, of course, just listeners, just to, to one of the things that Mia had brought up was the effects that taking drugs and trying to avoid the testers and all the you know changes that come into a person's body and mentality and their mind, especially um, that comes into place when you're when you're abusing, as you call it, the performance enhancing drugs, really does call it a massive pressure on a person's mental health. Now, I've brought that up, and you know, in the studio in RT, I've mentioned many times that physically, yes, it's bad, but the mental issue is terrible. I mean, you know, and, and, and I mean, she when she noticed it, she, you know, tried to pull it back. I mean, can you ever imagine losing a kid before you? No, I th- I'd imagine, um, imagine it's one of the toughest things you would ever have to deal with in your life. My eldest brother has had to deal with it. 
um, and yeah, it's it's one of those moments that would inspire you to go on and, and change the things that have caused or have perhaps happened in your life that maybe lead up to that sort of tragedy. But she's do, she she's doing a great cause. She's she's obviously had a a moment in her life that's been very difficult to overcome, and we wish her all the very best in making sure that she gets that change, and pushes for it, and the world of sport boxing, football, athletics, etc. We'll begin to understand, and obviously we've seen it many, many times in the past where certain athletes, certain sports stars have had general effects. The one that st sticks out in my memory was Ronaldo, the 98 World Cup. When he collapsed before the game. Yeah, uh, that, that's the one that always... Bat I mean, I was, I was reasonably young at the time, too young to understand all the ins and outs of doping and the... Well, not necessarily doping, but taking supplement that yeah. might help yeah. you or the training regimes that you might do. And yeah, that, that one stuck out in my memory as I, I couldn't understand why he wasn't playing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I do remember watching the World Cup final. I would have been, well, 25 or so, <laughs> 24. Uh, and I remember just, you know, people going, oh, he's not going to play, not going to play because he's been playing well so far. And then he's had like convulsion, he got, he vomited and so on. As I said, in 97, when I, I was standing there lined up to take an, a vitamin shot, the guy who was administering or overseeing it, is the guy who is now the head of uh, Red Bull Sport and he was the third in command in East Germany in their doping regime. So these people are still there, you know, and they're still there in boxing. And of course, we didn't... Um, one of the things that Mia didn't do in the LA Times article was name names, but people immediately knew what was going on and it was kind of... Um, and that's why a lot of people started saying, oh, well, she's just this grieving mother, she's crazy and so on, which is the usual way they attack people who start to blow the whistle. So, okay. Right, before I thank everyone, um, Nikki, we, we have a couple of winners. I know Juan Nazar is coming with us on Sunday, correct? Nazar is one. Yes, And yes, we have another also, winner who's on an SMS. But yes, we, but I still don't have a name, but we'll your number it. does end on 9310. That's great. So they are our winners. We had lo lots of lots of answers today. And of course, the answer for that song, County Crows, Accidentally in Love, the movie was Nikita Sorkin. I'm gonna guess it's Shrek. Which one? Andy, Andy's well, not without Andy's help. I'm gonna say it was the second one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Andy had two fingers up. He was saying something else. Yeah. I was just trying to swear. <laughs> yeah, he was going go away, go away. You know. So that was so it was Shrek too. So you were joining us on Sunday. You're gonna be out there at six o'clock on Sunday. We're gonna guide you all the way and up to the VIP lounge, and you'll have a good bit of crack watching the game and taking part in our show as well. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, the weather will be a little bit better than today. So, uh, Nikki, thank you so much for brilliantly getting thank that you. phone on the line, that call on the line, because we were panicking about that. That was like the centerpiece of the show. Thank you so, so much. Um, uh, and for dressing me with your eyes as well, because I didn't feel <laughs> naked. After Andy started to undress me, you need to put my clothes back on. That's very important. I just it? can't get that German magazine shoot out of my head. I haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to see it. A lot of people have been He's going to therapy. Us. Yeah, 20 odd years of therapy won't get that in your head. Sa sauerkraut and lederhosen <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, listen, uh, Andy McLean, thank you so, so much for this evening. Thank you very much, okay. as always. And we're gonna t Andy's going to tweet at those tips. We'll retweet it on Capital uh, as well, so to make sure that we know what's going on. Nikita, thank you so much, as always. Thank you, Alan. You were brilliant, as always. Oh, thank you very much. So, of course, we'll be at the game on Saturday. Also, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, if you're interested, we have Champ Talks with you, Katerina Bichkova, Evgeny Lit... Le, 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 le,
our very own Vesna Dallons. Of course, I already said he captured me in Bishkova. At 7 o'clock at the Jewish Museum tomorrow. Okay, Nikki is uh, giving me a finger. I think he means to hurry up or else to get out of here very, very, very quickly. Listen, we're going to play a song that is based on a bit of loss. It's from, you know, it's from 1996, long, long time ago. Uh, and it was written because the lead singer, he wrote about his grandfather that even though he had passed away, he's still there with him. So until next week, enjoy yourselves. Stay warm, stay safe. This is Reef and Place Your Hands. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.